What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Lindsay Gibbs here. Welcome to this hot take edition of Burn It All Down. We are discussing the WNBA playoffs. And joining me are my two favorite uh, co-hosts to dig into the WNBA with, Ari Chambers. Uh, Hi, Ari. How are you? Hey, Lindsay. Been missing you. Been missing you. Now, will you please update everyone on your your newest titles? How how should we refer to you? What are you doing these days? Independently, still covering the WNBA, but also sprinkling that WNBA magic at Bleacher Report for We Are Jayla. So yeah. I love it. <laughs> and the fabulous Erica Ayala. Hi, Erica. Hey, hey, hey. Now you are at the athletic, you were covering the Liberty, still covering the Liberty because there might be some stuff to cover tomorrow night as we will discuss. <laughs> and what else are you up to these days? You know, just living the the freelance dream. I will actually be helping out in Washington uh, with some coverage. So going to head down there tomorrow. Um, and yeah, still doing some nonprofit work. You're going to come see me. Is that what's happening? <laughs> and the Washington Mystics. You're coming to see me. You're coming to see me. I'm so excited. All right. Look, we have so much to discuss, so we should just dive right into it. I thought we would start with maybe the stuff that people aren't tuning in for because we want to, you know, sprinkle in the excitement here. Uh, let's start briefly by discussing the WNBA awards that uh, have come out so far. Um, the big one is the rookie of the year was finally announced at 815 on a Monday morning, which is just <laughs> exactly the time you want to announce awards. Um, and that award went to Nafisha Collier and uh, not Arike Gumbawale. I was torn between the two of them till the bitter end. Um, I'm actually a little bit heartbroken for Enrique, but overall, I can't really argue against Nafisa getting it. What did you two think? I thought that Enrique has her explosive moments and she finished out the season very strong, but consistently, Nafisa has been performing, you know, silently, but consistently all year long. Um, you know, she, like, Nafisa averaged, what, 13, 6, and 2? That's like, that's great for a rookie, and she leads the WNBA in minutes, I think, too, right? So, mm -hmm. I mean, that's 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 solid for a rookie, and, and you did what you had to do. You got your team further than than Dallas did, so um, with a lot more to work with, a lot but, more yes. to work with. I mean, <laughs> but arguable because you know Minnesota was has some missing pieces. Show Reeve just knows how to oh, totally. play an off uh, off season, but. Yeah, I mean, my vote would have gone to Enrique, but I didn't have one. So, I mean, there's that. So, yeah. Yeah, Erica. Yeah, I might have been <laughs> the only person that really didn't uh, dive too deep into this one. I, 
I was going to be happy either way. I was just over here sipping tea because, uh, you know, hashtag team Arike over here making arguments that, you know, I'm still bitter when it was 2016, you know, all of a sudden it had to be best player, best team. But now we talking rookie of the year and you can be rookie of the year and your team not make the playoffs. I'm just confused. So I, I knew just you like, were going to have some I, spicy, spicy honestly, for us. Though, mm-hmm. I'm just going to I'm just going to say. I'm with Erica. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I don't need to get me started. I can't. I can't. I'm actually writing an article about it because I can't. <laughs> No, no, but Arika right. did We're do gonna... some solid numbers, though, because, like, 19 points a game. Like, third, she's third in the league in scoring I as a rookie. Come like, on. Yeah, no, she's, she's great. She's great with what she does. Like, that's solid. That's solid. So, I mean, like I said, I'm my mad at neither like one of them. I, no. I was just sitting out the argument because I was like, okay. They're all great. <laughs> Tara McCowan might end up being the best of the bunch, you know, at the end of the day. Because, goodness, mm, what a... Well, all right, all right. Um, I said might. Uh, she was pretty phenomenal. Uh, the second, the second, uh, you know, this last month or so. Um, I do think you know it was it was frustrating. I do want to ask you, Erica. Uh, as I say, we're going to move quickly through this, and then of course I'm going to stop for a billion questions. But you can't help but think, um, you know, New York Liberty could have had either Nafisha or Nafisa or Arike. Um, and you know, they took Asia Durr. Of course she had, um, a minor groin strain that ended up keeping her out for about half a season. Um, and I think, but overall it has to be a little bit disappointing for the Liberty fans. Is that, I don't want to be mean to Asia cause I love her, but I, I don't know. What, what's your read on it? Well, my first reaction is. Not only could they have had Arike or Nafisa, they literally could have had anybody but Jackie Young. So yeah. there's that. <laughs> um, I'm just pointing out the other two best performers, but yes. So, <laughs> exactly. so there's that. Um, my thing is Asia Durr gets injured. It's an injury that she had, I mean, has had a history with groin strains, as I recall, since her freshman year had surgery. I mean, these kinds of things happen. I mean, Jessica Shepard also went out. So, I mean, you know, injuries are going to happen. But I am not honestly thinking too much into um, the the second round pick in in relation to the rookie of the year candidates. I'm more just thinking of the makeup of this team. And I've been saying this all season long. I think they needed a point guard. And that's not what Asia Durr was really doing for them. So I have lots of questions, but I, I, yeah, I don't, it's, you know, they could have used Nafisa, but then they would have had a similar problem that they have at guard or had at guard. They probably could have taken Enrique, but she's not a true point guard either, but obviously was doing a little bit of that for Dallas. So I, I mean, doing a lot of it for Dallas and did it. Okay. Did it, you know, fine. I mean, you know, obviously she's one Skyler for Dallas. I mean, but that also goes into something that I'm sure we'll get into, which is just that at the end of the day, the Liberty's challenges were not going to be solved by a number two pick, and nor will they next season, in my opinion. I think that is uh, fair. Um, you know, <laughs> the rest of the awards here, I don't think uh, many, um, you know, kind of controversial ones. Natasha Howard, Defensive Player of the Year, hard to argue with that. 33 out of the 44 votes. 
Um, James Wade for coach of the year. Um, what he did in Chicago was phenomenal. I think there's definitely an argument for Mike Tebow as well. Um, a little bit of a, you know, because the expectations for the mystics were so high, it was hard to really surpass them, but you know, he does not have a team of superstars and has coached them to, you know, one of the best offensive seasons in WNBA history. And, you know, that really can't go overlooked, but I also, like I said, can't really argue with James Wade. Um, let's face it as, as Emma Mieseman said in Washington mystics practice today, everyone keeps saying when Elena's MVP, but Elena's going to be, Elena's the MVP. So, you know, I expect that award to be announced Tuesday or Thursday. Elena Deladon will be MVP. Um, you know, and, uh, yeah, I think we're the other thing we're waiting on is kind of the executive of the year, um, most improved player award, and sixth woman of the year went to Dierka Hamby, who we'll get to in a minute. Anything else stick out to you from the awards that I just went through, Ari? No, I just think it's really dope what James Wade has done. He's created a culture for Chicago that I haven't seen before, and I, I love it. I love it, so nothing out of the ordinary with that one and everybody knows like i mean this is like hands down atlanta there's no competition for mvp this year this is not one of those 2016 moments. Yeah. it's gonna be hands down nobody else 50 40 90 that's crazy yeah uh erica um more or less agree i think something that i heard on the Windsider show now i guess is yeah. uh yeah, yeah. windsider so I, I, I still <laughs> I know. I'm like, I think it's Winsider. Um, anyway, okay. So, uh, Winsider, W Insider, um, something that they said, which I agreed with. And actually, our good friend Blake Dudonis, he and I were up in the Slack chat. And the only thing I'll add, Winsider kind of touched on this, and I added my little flavor to it. Essentially, I think that James Wade did a great job, particularly with what Ari said, culture. I think that uh, for one reason or another, that seemed to be from a lot of what was reported out of Chicago, why um, Amber Stocks didn't stick around. But what I will say is that Amber Stocks, man, listen, she went grocery shopping. She set the ta- she set the table, you know, got the food cooking. And then James mm-hmm. Wade blessed bless the meal and cut the turkey. Um, you know, like a lot of that, I, I am very surprised by people thinking that Chicago, um, like the, the conversation of whether they overperformed this year or underperformed last year. I'm, I'm a little bit confused as to where people fall on that. I think that they've always had the talent. I'm not surprised. Um, and I think in all of my previews, I said that they could easily, uh, not easily, but they, I could definitely see them getting into the playoffs and fighting for anywhere from six to eight um, because of the talent that's on that roster. Um, and I'm sure we'll get to the game, but I mean, you know, I think there are just a few things that they still need to refine, but the raw talent is there. And what also helps them is that they're a young team. So uh, no shade to Wade, but also let's not pretend like this was some kind of, you know, miracle on on you know on the court i completely agree with you and um you know i think it's really important to give you know amber some credit especially look as we it's it was staggering to me that when you look at the top six teams in the league and now the course of top four and it'll be in the finals you know you're left with all male coaches um and uh, you know it's hard and then we just lost pokey um pokey got fired um so they're now 
you know, black women coaching as head coaches in this league. And um, it's, it's hard. It's a hard conversation to have because it's no knock to any of the men who have the jobs right now. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, the four coaches we're left with um, in the WNBA finals have each done a great job this year. Derek Fisher has honestly surpassed a little bit of my expectations um, the team has, has responded well to him in LA, though I still think that whole hiring process was questionable at best. Um, and you know, of course, Tebow and Lambier have, have paid their dues in women's basketball for sure. And Kurt Miller is, you know, phenomenal for a lot of reasons. So I don't want to, you know, it's not against any of them, but it, it is, you know, it's a conversation we need to keep having and we especially need to make sure that we're not washing over the contributions that these women head coaches are making in this game, especially the black women who are uh, in the game. Of course not. Mm. I, Donna makes mm-hmm. it very clear that it was, it was Amber Stock who got her to Chicago. So she always sings her praises. So shout out to her. Love it. All right. We could talk for a while, but I want to move on to the playoffs so far. Um, I am honestly having a hard time talking, thinking about anything other than that Chicago Sky Las Vegas Aces uh, <laughs> game. I'm going to give a quick recap of the games we've seen so far. And if there's anything that you want to talk about, let's do it. If not, let's go ahead and just talk about the Hamby. Um, <laughs> so handy. in the first round, you had the both home teams prosper. The Seattle Storm took out the Minnesota Lynx, 84 to 74. The Chicago Sky took out the Phoenix Mercury, 105 to 76. In a game where we saw Brittany Griner get injured and just, you know, Phoenix's woes continue. In the second round, another case of the home teams prospering in the single elimination format, which I believe this is the first time in a while where we haven't had an upset. Maybe it's the first time since this format existed where both home teams, both the three and four seeds managed to survive. It's a tough well, no thing Phoenix. To do. There you go. Huh? That's that's what's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> no, no Diana Taurasi. <laughs> that's good. Or Christy Tolliver hitting nine threes in Madison Square Garden or however many Dear she God, hit. Listen, that was so listen, painful. listen. So painful. I remember that was like yesterday. Ooh, it was a lot. Um, so the ace, so the Sparks um, ended up really rolling over the Seattle Storm. The Storm did a great job, I think, keeping it close for three quarters. But the Sparks ultimately just had a lot more pieces, a lot more healthy pieces and uh, took it 92 to 69. And then, you know, the Aces uh, beat the Sky 93 to 92. Of the first three games I mentioned, um, anything that you you all want to, uh, any any one thing that sticks out? Let's do one thing that sticks out. Ari? Um, how LA is not coming to play right now. Y'all already know I'm like a little biased towards them. I, you got to give them their glory before they go, you know to the next round but um just how they made a statement like they're not giving up so easily and the way they they killed seattle not killed but like you know I mean, the, the they way did. They did, yeah they killed seattle i just was trying not to be you know i'm always like a little hyperbolic when it comes to my my sparks but i know but they um, i mean it was a 23 point win so i think like yeah. we can say like that's yeah that that's handy and look like i said like they ultimately at the end of the day like yeah the sparks executed and they should have beaten the storm yeah. that much given the talent 100 you know, yeah, and so i'm gonna that's i'm gonna leave, leave it at that until we start talking about the chicago vegas game. <laughs> all right uh erica anything you want to bring up from those first three 
Uh, I think the big thing is, at least coming out of Phoenix camp, that we are hearing that Brittany Griner and Diana Taurasi do plan on returning. In fact, the USA basketball roster was released, and Taurasi was not listed alongside Skylar Diggins-Smith and Sue Bird as players that were not cleared. So we might see her on the hardwood sooner rather than later. I'm excited for that. <laughs> and yes, that is great news because um, I want more, I want more Griner and more Tarasi in my life. And, you know, it, them, I want them both to be healthy coming down the stretch for a few more times. It's time, you know, uh, I'm greedy. All right. So <laughs> the game that everyone cannot stop talking about is when the Las Vegas Aces beat the Chicago sky 93 to 92, the Chicago kept, building leads in this one and Vegas would not go away. Finally in the fourth quarter, Vegas kept getting, you know, nuzzling ahead. Then Chicago would, and it was back and forth lead change after lead change. You had all these players step up. We had a stew do like nail a three pointer at one point, you know, <laughs> like wide open. Like it was just so much fun to see all, you know, players up and down their roster. Allie Quigley didn't have a great shooting night, but you know, Diamond to Shields really came alive. And Kalea Copper, who's one of my favorites since I covered her, her rookie year in Washington, she had a phenomenal game. So you saw kind of a lot of under, um, under the radar, um, players really blossom for Chicago. But Vegas, like I said, would not go away. At the end of it, it looked like things were over after an Asia Wilson, a bad Asia Wilson turnover. Wasn't that what it was? With about, um, uh, and the um, spark, or the, sorry, the sky had the lead by two. Um, there was about 14 seconds left on the clock. And mm -hmm. all the sky had to do was inbound it. Courtney Vandersloot went running, in, got the ball, Went running around the backcourt trying to, um, you know, kill some time and force them to foul her and ended up kind of getting trapped. Sydney Colson played some great defense. She forced the ball into Diamond to Shields and Dierica Hamby just ran up, grabbed the ball, intercepted it, took just two steps. She could have taken so many more steps. <laughs> <laughs> there were so many more steps there, but she panicked. She did not realize that there were still five seconds left on the clock and that she had like wide open teammates, you know, by the basket. And so she heaved it and made it. And, you know, that history was made. There was still about five seconds left. Chicago could not get a basket. Um, and, you know, there we go. An iconic moment in WNBA history. One that I, I love just because it's, uh, it, like even she is openly saying I should not have made that shot. I had no idea how much time we had on the clock. <laughs> I messed up and I got lucky. Uh, but of course we know that a lot of hard work goes into being that lucky. And unfortunately on Chicago's side, a lot of errors by players like Vandersloot who do not usually make errors. Um, Ari, have you gotten any sleep <laughs> since the show? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I was actually watching the game on a bus. So oh, I, was, like, God. On the bus. I was in New York for you, you know, like you, you gotta, you gotta keep going. But no, it's, it's just, everybody's talking about her lack of awareness of the shot clock and she admits to it, but that was good anticipation to read that it was going in diamond and to be able to intercept that. And so you know, it, it was a great mix of like luck and then just, just the universe on your side, you know? 
Um, Cindy Colson was like, what were you doing? I was under the basket. And she clearly was. But Dierica, I mean, it was her day. At the end of the day, it was her day. It was, it was in the favor of Vegas to, to win that. Um, yeah. That's Absolutely. I love one of my favorite moments was Bill Lambier's opening of this press conference when he goes, I'm glad Hamby executed the play I drew up. <laughs> His press conference, which was just classic. Uh, Erica, uh, I mean, where do you think that shot lands? You've been, uh, I know, covering some other famous uh, playoff shots recently going into the Hall of Fame. I'll let you talk about that. But uh, what was your initial yeah. reaction? Yeah, yeah. So we're going to have to keep this to the Hamby heave because mm-hmm. there is only one <laughs> shot. All right. Okay. And that happened in 1999, game two in Houston, um, just to set the record straight. And that one belongs to Teresa Weatherspoon, Naismith Hall of Famer, who did not get her just desserts, as they say, in my opinion, and apparently the opinion of others when it came to celebrating all that is Teaspoon um, as she went into the Hall of Fame. But I was very lucky to be on hand. Go check that uh, article out over at The Athletic. And hopefully soon have a little fun that I had with Teaspoon right before she went into the hall. Coming out for Behind the W. Now that I've dropped all my advertisements, um, I... <laughs> I set you up for it, though. I, 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 you know, I teed you up, so... That. I appreciate that, sis. You know, we're, we we all trying to trying to do this. Gotta hustle, thing. gotta hustle, yeah. Exactly. Um. So, wow, so many things to say about uh, the heave um it was very reminiscent of the shot the shot the heave the heave the shot um but there was also some controversy and yes. you know i i just love how ari got to do all the feel good stuff so now i have to be bad cop yep <laughs> that's my, I that's mean, my you did that. That's a you little did bit that brand, let's be honest <laughs> you did that for auntie that's that's you know that's all right though Always so i'm gonna you come down. through i'm gonna come through with this um First of all, I'm glad, Lindsay, that you mentioned, uh, you know, that Colson was, was, you know, there on the trap. I feel like that Ooh. part of the play is not getting enough, enough respect. No, you she, know, was, I mean, she was flying in Vandersloot's face. Like yeah, Vandersloot, like, like you, you, Hamby panicked, Vandersloot panicked. That's what got it started. Everyone was ramped yeah. up. It's the end of the game, about 14 seconds left. Literally, either just had to dribble away or get fouled. Um, and she threw that ball away because, you know, Sydney Colson coming in flying. That's the first thing. The second thing is, now y'all know I love me some Diamond De Shields, but she played hey. baseball, man. Yikes. You cannot wait for the ball to come to you. You mm-hmm. must go to the mm-hmm. ball. Like, that's how Hamby was able to cut right in front of her. Like She you know, panicked, too. She panicked, fast, too. Yeah. But you gotta, like, that was something that, you know, um, I also noted. Another thing is, Hamby was like uh the, the she had the spirit because then Vandersloot comes back up to half court and looks like she's just going to swat the crap out of her misses all of Hamby. I don't know how she missed all of that. She missed her completely, missed the ball, missed the body. Missed Hamby's everything. not small. Hamby's like, like Hamby's much much taller than Vandersloot. Like, exactly. And she didn't get I don't think she got a fingernail on her it looked I mean, like she was dodging her 
divine, <laughs> like divine, the most divine play. But if you notice the the first two steps on the dribble that Hamby takes, Wade is right there at that at that um you know out of bounds line, and he go he just goes crazy before she even gets the shot up and then of course we saw the presser he believes emphatically that she stepped out of bounds there is unfortunately and for what reason i know not but this unfortunately is not a play that is subject to review we got no clear view of where Hamby's feet were um she was very close to the line from every every still shot and video that you can see but there's no shot that's from the other side of the line and or from above for us to be absolutely clear and so for me it's really unfortunate particularly coming from Chicago's perspective to not know I mean you want to talk about mistakes this was not the prettiest game of basketball for either team I mean both teams are kind of known for making silly mistakes but it was going to come down to you know who was going to get the miracle shot and that was the las vegas aces but my goodness all that complaining that i did about var in the women's world <laughs> cup and the delayed offsides ridiculous call that i thought was ridiculous at the time what i wouldn't give to bring that back and just to explain that a little bit so the the the, on the line, they would keep the flags down, let the play run through full, um, and either the ball would be shot into the net or it would go out of bounds. And then we're they talking would about for the, the women's World Cup in soccer. Soccer, <laughs> yes, thank you. In soccer, um, and and so at first people were like, you know, def defenders, offensive players, attackers are like, well, if you put the dang flag up, then I'm not going to run full throttle. Give let us help a sister out here, and then as you know, as someone who is doing social media, it's like I want to know if it's a goal or not, so I don't have to erase and delete the tweet that I just put out. But you know, so that was a little bit of a mess. But my goodness, if if the argument is that because there was no whistle, that's why this couldn't be reviewed. If you did something like a delayed offside call, then the shot goes down, and regardless, you go to the monitors. You go to the monitors, see if she was out of bounds, and then you call it back, put time back on the clock, whatever the case is. And that, for whatever reason, is not a part of what uh, what's in the WNBA rulebook, and I think that's really unfortunate. It's but even if it were... Go. Like, even if it were, there was still no clear angle. So well, wait, but we like, don't know that. I feel like they're hoarding some angles no, on us. The, 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 all the angles that... that the league has there there are no clear ones that would be strong enough to reverse the turn are we sure you got inside are you got some I'm inside intel 100 percent sure of that so well, why don't not, they not, have the right angle is that see i've heard it said i i didn't know how true this was you know how people be on twitter someone was like well you know you're not going to get a good review because they weren't in their home arena and they don't have the same camera angles that, that they would have if they were because there were some wonky camera angles my god lord yeah. fix it please fix it i can't like that can't Anyways. happen in a playoff game it's, like that yeah. can't happen i know you want to move on but like we've seen WNBA teams move and that's one <laughs> yeah. thing you move because of like i don't know uh, justin bieber concert whoever the heck is i don't know whoever's touring whatever the, the, the kids are listening to these days that's one thing but to not have <laughs> adequate equipment for a replay 
in a elimination game where someone's foot may or may not have been on the line. And unlike in, let's go back to soccer, if her foot was on the line, she's out of bounds, period, point blank. Like, yeah. you don't get to teeter. Okay, I don't want to move on. I just want a second Durant. Um, because... <laughs> Um, because I totally, like, I totally agree with you. This is honestly embarrassing for the WNBA that this couldn't be, uh, looked at in any, um, in any way, shape or form, especially at the end of a game, you've got to have a little bit more clarity, uh, on this. You've got to take a little bit of time. I mean, earlier in the game, something that I did not even know was possible happen, which is after Diamond to Shields oh. <laughs> made free throws, it was mm. like, a play later, they stopped everything and were like, wait, Diamond Shields wasn't supposed to shoot those three throws. That was supposed to be a stew because oh, yeah. she was called for the foul. Crazy. So they Crazy. time, took away a basket from Vegas, I believe, and went back. And I didn't, it was within, like, I didn't even know that you could do such a thing. So anyway. That's insane. That's also insane. It's just all, it's all nuts. It's all ridiculous. But I will say, but you a lot can't of people look at are out calling, of bounds. That's crazy. A lot of people are call or you know really using James Wade being right there as some proof. But let's his his glasses were a little fogged. Do you know what I mean? Like his, you know, he's in that moment. He's panicking too, and he's seeing. So I don't really trust his reaction as an indication one way or the other but i do agree that you've got to figure out a way to call it but ultimately a couple other things here um it was it was ultimately a devastating way for uh the skies season to end um something though that bugged me and i've gotten some blowback for this um but the sky did not make courtney vandersloot available for any press at all after the game um there was one sky beat reporter who had traveled with the team to vegas and you know requested to speak with courtney and was denied and look i understand why your instinct would be to protect your player at that time i understand of course why courtney would not want to face any media at that time and i i certainly if i were a reporter i would approach her with the utmost sympathy and i knowing the reporter that was there, she would have been approached with, you know, with sympathy. But I do think that, I mean, look, the WNBA rules go. If a player is requested in the post, you know, the post game, they have to be made available. And so I think it's after such an important game for such an important player, um, for availability to be denied is another, in my opinion, not a great look for the league. You can't imagine if it was the NBA or the NFL for a player to be, you know, to have made a mistake like that late in the game and to not have had to answer for it. And I'm not saying she should have been put up on the podium and been subjected to, you know, 10 straight minutes. Of well, why not? Why not? Huh? I mean, well, she could not? have been, but why I'm not? saying like, if she was that upset, like, you know, let give her time to compose and then, you know, let them let her talk in the locker room. Do you know what I mean? Let her let her deny the questions. I just really didn't like it. What do you guys agree, disagree? I'm just well, annoyed. I'm annoyed with the general PR consensus to protect the players yes. like that. Thank you. Um that's mm. that's happened at least like multiple times yeah. in different stories, different people throughout the year. The PR will actually sneak people away from us. Mm -hmm. And it's just like if we always complain about not having adequate and equal coverage, but 
the players aren't made available, it's just annoying. It gets to yeah. a point where it's just like, how do you expect us to cover it in a way that, that they want to be covered? Right. This is during yeah. regular time. Like, it's not like anybody's asking for anything extra. This is post-game availability after an elimination playoff game. It's just, this is yeah. the assist leader. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. I just didn't like it at yeah, all. Yeah, it's, it's not... It's not acceptable. It's unacceptable. And let's also, I'm going to toss on to, you know, this, this, our little mini bonfire here. Burn that, piles, like, what this, we call them, this, Erica. Burn piles. Is yes. Yes, I know. I didn't want to trademark something okay. because it's this okay. is a hot take and this is not the full yeah, episode. It's okay. We have mini burn piles all the okay. time. Okay. <laughs> okay. Full on burn pile. Let's go. So I would like to burn also the Chicago Sky. Um, uh, as a team and organization, uh, the the players uh, not speaking to a particular media member mm-hmm. because they were upset that she wrote a story and quoted Katie Lou Samuelson's mother about mm-hmm. their coach James Wade. Now here's here's the thing. Um, you don't have to like what any of us write. That's well within your right to do. However. If you don't like what mama said, maybe you should go talk to mama. Okay? It's not like I'm and perhaps mama- giving a, a reporter the benefit of the doubt here, but I would like to believe that this reporter did not feed quotes to Mrs. Samuelson. No, mama publicly tweeted this, Erica. This was a public also tweet. Also that. <laughs> this was a mama so, public tweet. Like, <laughs> Give mama so, some social media yeah, lessons. There you go. You're right. Exactly. <laughs> also that. Thank you. Yes, that's right. It was tweets. So like, why? I just can't. And so again, going back to like the these, you know, gloves that we put on when it comes to women's sports coverage. And it was something that was said also on Around the Rim. And I think it was Devereaux Peters said it regarding the athletic article, Lindsay, you and I contributed to where we talked to players anonymously. And I think that if I understood what Dev was saying, being a, a retired player herself, is that they might that players might respond to that just because they do feel pressure to um to sometimes be more buttoned up than they perhaps would like to be so i can understand that lord knows like i go for what i feel and sometimes i'm not i'm like you're just gonna have to take what i say and that's gonna be that and to not do that i don't put my situation i don't put myself in situations where i feel that i can't say what i have to say so i can't imagine what that's like however you have to know that all of us coming to and traveling and so at least in my case a lot of the time on my own dime i like you know like just to not have respect for the profession that is journalism especially when we're always arguing and clamoring that the WNBA doesn't have enough support and and they're not enough stories to not talk to reporters for any reason is is just unacceptable. Not to mention that a lot of these women, the overwhelming majority of these women come from the NCAA tournament. Do you know the most awkward moments in my journalistic career are having to go into a college locker room mm-hmm. at a Frozen Four, at a Final Four, and looking at 22-year-olds bawling their eyes out after losing a, a buzzer beater? Oh, wait, because I did that twice in one Final Four. Yeah. So... Miss me with Courtney Vandersloot no. can't handle 
doing no. media she has after to a professional it. women's basketball game. And let's face it, like, you know, one of the things that really gets me is that this was an away game. And this one reporter who, look, let's, I'm going to name her, Madeline Kinney from the Chicago Sun-Times, who the Chicago Sun-Times invested a, they got like a sponsor for their WNBA coverage and, you know, had a full person on the beat this year, which is a new thing, something we should be encouraging and thriving. And now they have both frozen her out for doing her job and then be after the, you know there's the sun times and their sponsor whoever you know paid for their to go to an away game which it is hard to mm. get these newspapers to pay <laughs> to go to away games right. right we should be encouraging that so i understand like probably most of the media was in the aces locker room do you know what i mean focused on the aces because they had mm -hmm. won and they were in vegas but you like you're not going to get media organizations are, aren't going to let you travel if you're going to be, be babying your players like this and not giving availability. So it just really pissed me off. We can move on. I did want to talk a little bit about other takeaways from the game, especially from Vegas, but let's wrap that into our semifinal previews. How about it? Um, so we are now left with uh, the um, top four, you know, we, we, all this drama, but we've gone by seed so far. So we have the number two Connecticut Sun are going to host the number three Los Angeles Sparks in the semifinals and the number one Washington Mystics hosting the number four Las Vegas Aces. These are best of five semifinals. So the first two games will be in Connecticut and D.C. on Tuesday and Thursday. Then we will travel to L.A. and Vegas Sunday and I think if need be the next Tuesday and then, and so on. Um, so series are a whole different animal. We're done with seeing elimination. I love series because you really get to see these, these chess matches. You get to see the teams adapt. Last year we had both of the semifinals go to game five, um, the mystic stream. And of course the storm mercury and instant classic. Um, Ari, let me start with you with the um, Sparks versus the uh, Sun. What are you? What really intrigues you about this matchup? And um, you know, I, I, you don't have to give it right now, but I am going to ask you for predictions. So, okay, yeah, no, I'm just the curse of Connecticut. They don't ever seem to be a good postseason team. I, I just want to see if they can overcome that. Um, as far as the Sparks, you know, the, they're have a healthier Candace Parker. They have a championship mentality. There are multiple people on that team who have won a championship. They know how to be composed and, you know, ready for you know, a game at this stake. Uh, thank God for a series. This one won't be a sweep. I don't believe at all. Um, as far as the matchup goes, again, it's just going to be a matter of who can like set the tempo. Um, and you have a really, really quick Connecticut team against a, you know, a slower offensive uh, Sparks team. So this is going to be an interesting matchup, I would say, for games L.A. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Um, something else worth noting is how, and I didn't realize this until they played the Mystics and I was talking to a bunch of L.A. people, the Sparks three-point defense is like maybe some of the best in the league and Connecticut does have some players capable of taking advantage of that. Um, Shakina Strickland, anyone, um, Erica, what are you seeing in this? 
Um, when we did our preseason game, I think all of us were in agreement that we don't doubt Connecticut, but they needed to get to a series for yes. us to get excited about them. Mm -hmm. And now they've made it to the series. So now um, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I think if they come in hungry, they have worked hard to win um, home court advantage. I think that the Sparks need to put some respect on this Connecticut Sun team. I think that we have seen in the WNBA since it was old enough to actually have a history that history shows that having veteran presence on a team will usually win out in the playoffs. So mm -hmm. with that said, it's going to be a good series. Um, but I think I'm going to, to give the edge, especially if it goes the distance to Connecticut five games, Connecticut sun. That's what I put in today for my athletic prediction. So I got to stick with that. And I have to say a big reason why I did that was because of how good Connecticut has been at home all year long. And, um, you know, I saw them, I was up there for a game where they beat Vegas when it was during a time of the year where Vegas was playing well and Connecticut had been struggling a little bit. Um, but you really just saw them come alive on their home court. I think getting this home court advantage was huge for them. And I just, I see all of the pieces there for the Sparks and I have seen them come together from time to time. And I know they've been better the second half of the season. I might be a little bit like, um, jaded from having seen them be blown out by the mystics recently. And just, they just looked awful at switching. Um, uh -huh. awful. <laughs> Um, and you know, they just looked completely lost, uh, defending the perimeter and switching on defense. So, uh, but yeah, I think that, um, I kind of see this one being a, maybe a all home game, you know, all, all home win would not be surprised if the Sparks managed to, uh, pull this out because of Candace Parker and Neka Gumake, who is, I mean, having herself a season really, I mean, you know, uh, there's no, uh -huh. there's no MVP controversy, but NECA has been, been phenomenal. And some of the offensive boards and the, you know, her ability to, cr to crash the glass, which is incredible. But I think we're going to see some, I think Connecticut has been, they want this. Like they got burned against the Mercury in their single elimination games uh -huh. after good regular seasons the past two years. This team is older. They're more experienced right now than they were, not compared to LA. Um, but they, uh -huh. they have a chip on their shoulder. And when I was up in Connecticut doing a profile of John Qual Jones, um, a few weeks ago, that was what I really sensed was this, nobody believes in us mentality <laughs> that they really uh -huh. are leaning into. And that can be a powerful yeah, check their thing. social media for that. Oh yeah. Oh, I mean, it is all over the place. And I think we're going to see some great stuff from John Qual Jones. Um, you know, I think she's going to come alive. Um, on this, this stage, Courtney Williams, um, Shakina Strickland, uh, you know, I just, it is a team without these big number one picks. Do you know what I mean? Um, uh -huh. it, but it's got so many good pieces there that I, I think they find a way to pull it out. But either way, I'm just excited to see them in a series, to see Kurt Miller in a series, to see Alyssa Thomas mm -hmm. in a series, um, and to see what they can do. Because I think, um, 
it feels, and of course, we've all been burned by this before, right? Feeling like a team is ready, and then you see them in action, you're like, oh, <laughs> they were just saying that. <laughs> they did not mean that. Um, but I don't know. I just have a feeling that they are they are ready. Anything else about Connecticut or LA? I didn't know that. You're not gonna find me. Different. Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. No, I didn't know go that ahead. That stat about the three point de- uh, defense, and so it's just like once you shut that down, you know. I feel like LA has the proper tools to stop, you know, a Connecticut post, but, and, but you have Courtney Williams with the best mid range ever. So, right. Yeah. I don't know. We'll have to see. I was just going to say, you're not going to catch me in none of those, uh, Connecticut sun social media promos. Like I'm not going out like that. So Mm -mm. (laughs) yeah, but, uh, but seriously, um, when it comes to the three point defense, I do think that's an interesting stat, but you have to remember how quick, this Connecticut Sun team is and Uh it it, it almost feels like their guards drive more than their post players do so I'm not too worried about that um you know take away the perimeter then you know they'll get down low so we'll see well but that's what I'm saying is LA's three-point defense is terrible (laughs) so oh oh, yeah sorry I might have said that wrong but LA's three-point defense is bad oh yeah then it's I mean if that's the case oh yeah see ya yeah yeah. (laughs) Because I was sitting next to some spark, like, uh, it was when the Sparks were in D.C., and I was saying, D.C.'s, I was saying, talking to, I'm not going to say, an anonymous person within the organization, and I said, so D.C.'s really worried about this game. This is a late-in-the-season game. It was kind of the last, like, big game that Mystics had on their schedule, you know, like, big um, contender opponent. And they go, someone looks at me, and they go, have you checked their stats on three-point defense the mystics are going to be fine and i was like no i had not but thank you for that tip (laughs) and then i Um, saw it that makes more sense and it was true um so anyways now you know that the series i could talk about forever uh the mystics versus the aces um of course i've been the mystics beat reporter all year um the mystics have had a historically good offense and um the aces are the number one defense in the league um you've got a little bit of size versus uh speed uh actions going on here um the aces are the rare team that has actually beaten the mystics at the entertainment sports arena which is the mystics home court they actually were the last home loss the mystics faced but there's a pretty important asterisk on that loss. Anybody know? <laughs> Elena Deladon didn't there play. Was no yeah. <laughs> yep. There was no Elena. Yep. There was no Elena. And so there's that. the Mystics still only lost by four, and they had, like, a horrible fourth quarter. So, um, you know, uh, talking with Mystics players today, I'll have a piece up on The Athletic. I don't know if it's up now or if they're putting it up in the morning, but um, by the time you all hear this, this preview piece will be up. Um, the Mystics are really focused on clogging the paint and trying not to let Vegas get to the foul line all the time. And of course they don't have full control over that, but, um, you know, in that game, they did lose Vegas got to the foul line. I think like 26 times it really disrupted the flow of the game. Mystics got distracted arguing about calls. Um, coach Tebow today sounded a lot like Stephanie Dolson. He was talking about how much, the aces flop <laughs> and uh, <laughs> how much they flop and how much they, you know, act for calls and sell them and, you know, how theatrical they are. So, um, 
you know, that's a concern, I think, for the Mystics, if there is one. Um, another concern is, you know, the size. They play uh, Latoya Sanders at center. She is six foot two. Um, Liz Cambage is six foot eight. So, you know, there's math there. But that all said, it's hard for me to even see the Mystics losing a game the way they've been playing. I did officially pick them in four for the athletic. Um, but I, I don't know. Um, maybe someone who hasn't, who has a little bit of an outsider's perspective can help me here. Uh, Erica. Yeah. So this matchup was what I predicted we'd see in the finals. Um, so for month, yeah, for me, this is almost like last year where, I mean, arguably we got our best series in the semifinals. Um, and that was DT versus SB. So, um, it, it's kind of tough for me to seeing how both seasons SB. have kind of um, oh BS okay gotcha <laughs> no <laughs> Subert Sue Subert oh okay I was yeah. thinking Brianna Stewart okay sorry <laughs> I was like oh, no, 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 no. Duh. Okay. versus versus no, that makes yeah, more yeah, sense yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We keep going DT versus SB um, anyway mm-hmm. so um, I think that the way these seasons have gone for each individual team, it is very difficult to pick against the mystics, but you know, I like to be controversial. No, I think, (laughs) I think that, first of all, I would also just like to say RIP. I was really excited to see Chicago. I was thinking Chicago was going to advance. So I'm all kinds of torn here. Um, because I again, I did think that these two teams would be in the final. I don't think Las Vegas had the season that I was expecting them to have, but they persevered, which I think also you know stands for something. But the Washington Mystics have had a really, really good season, and it's almost like you're you're going up against like um, I'm going to use an NWSL reference here. The, you know, the Washington Mystics are almost playing this year like like you know, FC Kansas City, you know, they're not flashy, but they just play soccer and they get it done and they're just going to lull you. In, you don't think the Mystics are flashy? I, I don't at all. I agree interesting. with you. <laughs> I, I said what destroyed. I said. <laughs> um, <laughs> insert meme. As a, I think when you've it? seen enough 20 no, point think- wins up close, you feel like it's a little flashy, but okay. All right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Is is that the sass? Is that the home bias coming? <laughs> well, I just say I've be... seen them. I've seen them blow out so many teams that it's hard for me not to. But I, I agree, personality wise, they're not as flashy. Except for Natasha Cloud, as everyone that says. Too. Okay. Yeah. No, that too. But I'm talking about how they play. Okay. FC Kansas City, Golden State, um, the Spurs. Uh, if we want to keep it in the basketball family, those are all teams that are efficient. They are efficient and uh, you know, that's fine, but things can get wild in the playoffs. And sometimes you need a team that might smack you on the lip um, to pull through. Cause that's exactly what Vegas did to even get to the semifinal. So I'm not convinced it will go five games. I'd say four um, and I think it's going to be a tougher road than Washington is expecting it to be, but I'm still going to pick Washington um, to 
to beat out the Aces in this series. And I think it's unfortunate that we don't get to see them both play it out and duke it out in the final. I think it's like a matter of consistency. Um, Mystics are consistent and the Aces just aren't. They've gone through all these highs and lows, the lows, and they won't be able to dig themselves out of a deep stack Mystics team. I just, I don't see that happening this, this far along the way. And they, like Bill Lambier always says, they just get themselves into situations they just cannot, you know, pull out of. And so, and also they don't have a, like, Bill always says how they don't have a point guard. You have Natasha Cloud who can really delegate things, and you have all the other elements that they have, like Elena Deladon, who's in 54. And guess who's like, back? Guess who's back? Christy Tolliver. Okay. <laughs> now, Katie, you know, she, we got to see how good she, she's she, back, but, you know, Mystics, Mystics technically have two really good point guards when they have both of them out there, you know? So, embarrassment of riches, really. And and also, Christy Tolliver has won a championship, so she knows, well, you know. And that's, and that's what I was going to say. The Mystics <laughs> have the playoff experience that Vegas does not have. Um, yep. And they've earned it the hard way. Do you know what I mean? The, uh, three years ago, they mm-hmm. had none. They um, beat Dallas in a single elimination game at home. They beat New York in a single elimination game on the road, had a big upset. And then that got them into the semifinals where they were swept by the Minnesota Lynx. But that series, Uh Coach Tebow will always talk about the experience gained in that series was what allowed them to make it to the finals the next year because they had that, right? Like they they had a team that had been in a series and had seen what up close what the best teams look like in a series. Uh, Of course, last year they, um, you know, Latoya Sanders opened up to me. She said, I think nobody else will say this, which is why – if you're a reporter, always interview Latoya Sanders because she'll always just say it. But she said, I think we arrived a little early last year. Like, I think we were not quite ready for the finals. And, of course, Elena getting hurt um, didn't help. But, you know, mentally, we just didn't realize, you know, what all it was. And But now they have. Their entire team, except for Emma Mieseman, has now played in a WNBA finals. That's that's hard to replicate. It's insane. very lopsided, very lopsided experience there. So, and it, it really does matter. That playoff experience really does matter. Yeah. Um, I will say, um, Liz Cambage does scare me. I mean, in the best, I mean that in the most complimentary way possible, she had, um, 23 points, 17 rebounds, six blocks and two steals. And, Six of her rebounds were offensive boards against the sky. Um, that is a lot. And like I said, love Latoya Sanders. And, you know, she op- she's open about, yeah, I'm going to get beat sometimes, but I'm going to be able to outrun you. I'm going to be able to, you know, out- outsmart you. Out- you know, like, you know, she's very aware of her strengths and plays to those better than probably any undersized center in the league. Um, but at the end of the day, a six foot eight force is something the mystics don't have the full size to counter. They just have to hope that the rest of their weapons will really balance that out. But it was funny. Ariel powers told me today, she said, I was watching that whole game and I didn't realize it was like a quiet 23, 17. And I was like, yeah, it really was. (laughs) You didn't even realize like what, you know, how dominant she was being. And I don't know, a motivated Liz Cambage will always be something, you know, will always be a force. And 
Um, you know, like I said, that's something that the Mystics don't have anything to counter, but they do play the big lineup well. Um, I'm expecting them to start. Um, I'm not expecting them to stop start Tolliver. Coach Tebow sounded like she would not start, but she will probably play. She's officially listed as probable. Um, and so it seems like she will probably come off the bench. Um, and it seems like he would not, of course, tell me because, you know, he's got to be Tebow, but that the lineup he would be leaning towards for the starting lineup is a starting lineup that closed the season, which is Latoya um, at center, uh, Misaman at the four, Elaine at the three, Atkins at the two, and Cloud at the one, which is that big lineup. And I was about to say that's the best size part. That's that that size really does help them. And um, look, they have the defensive guards that can really stifle some um, aces guards that have struggled all year. Let's with consistency. Let's just be honest. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm excited. I hope it's. I hope it's tough. I hope it's physical. I hope that it's. Um, it gives it tests everybody. I think that's when you see the, you know, you when you see the best come out. I've been talking too much. Eric, anything to add? I'm just curious what the uh, over-under on technical fouls for this series is. Can we talk just about the coaches alone? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. If you, if you want to talk about two coaches who low-key do not like each other at all. <laughs> is it Bill Lambier and Mike Tebow. Uh, it's Bill, not low-key at all. Don't shy away. Um, no, neither is Tebow. Um, but anyways, I mean, yeah, I think it's going to be intense. And um, I, I definitely expect Tiana Hawkins to get a technical. I definitely expect Liz Cambage to get a technical. <laughs> and probably each, oh, of the, each, of, each of the coaches to get a technical. And other than that, I'm a little bit, um, we'll have to see. Um, it depends on how well Tolliver's playing. If Tolliver comes back and is frustrated, you know what I mean? If she's not... If she's not feeling it, I think she could get a technical early too. Um, oh, Liz is definitely getting teed up. Oh, and nobody else is. Getting teed up. <laughs> and, and that arena is going—it's small and it's going to be loud as fuck. <laughs> yeah, What's the food like? They got good food there, Lindsay, or should no, I? No, they have nothing good there. They have nothing good there. It's small, oh, but it's going to be intense. Um. All right. I, now that. So we're all picking the Mystics. Sounds like two of us are picking a Mystic Suns final. Two, uh, one of us a Mystic Sparks final. I think either way, this sounds like a blast, but we will have to regroup after the semis. But because I've talked too much, Marissa, I wanted to throw it to you. What are you expecting at the draft lottery tomorrow night? Oh, help us all. Um, so the New York <laughs> Liberty have the best odds going in. What are you um, eating, Ari? Oh, my bad. <laughs> I was like, that is not You sound me. like Granny with the candy wrappers there. I will mute it. I will mute it. Okay. I will mute it. <laughs> um, the New York Liberty going in have the best odds. Um, and luckily for Katie Smith, uh, Bill Lambert is not in the lottery. She was so <laughs> mad when Bill got the first pick. Oh, she oh, was so she mad was. last year. Um, but the other teams, of course, are Dallas, Indiana, and um, 
Who am I missing? Atlanta. Uh, oh, Atlanta. Atlanta. Oh, Lord, Atlanta, yes. Um, From the semis to the lottery in one year. Oh, child. Oh, Lord, child. in one year. Oh, how but the money had fallen. When it comes to the off season, I feel like there's going to be a lot to talk about when it comes to Atlanta. But anyway, um, <laughs> let's just Agreed. put it this way. So of all those four teams, uh, do any of them need a point guard? It is... I mean, believed among all that Sabrina Ionescu will be the first pick. Um, I have an article that I'm going to be working on regarding my opinions about what that could mean if the Liberty get the first pick. Um, but yeah, I think with this draft class as predicted, Ionescu's probably coming out first. Um, which I mean, with Atlanta in now, actually, might they? Oh, if they reunited, I, that might actually make me really happy. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it's really hard. You know, they're gonna spin the little balls or whatever. No idea. No idea. All I know is that the Liberty have the best odds. I think, as I mentioned before, even if they get UNESCO, um, well, they're not. They're guaranteed at least the three pick. Um. It, I'm going to be watching like a hawk what the Liberty do this offseason and what they get in the draft. I'm not sure what's going to happen with Atlanta. I think they're going to see a lot of movement in the offseason, and um, it's going to be very interesting to see what Nikki and company do to revitalize that roster. Like we said, jokingly, you know, went from the semifinals to the draft lottery. We know I mean, that we weren't Pookie joking. Chapman, we were just stating a fact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Whew. there were. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, as far as Indiana, you know, this is a team. I know a lot of people expressed shock and amazement that Pokey was gone. I was shocked and amazed that people were shocked and amazed. I just, I mean, it was time. Uh, you never want to see anyone lose their job, but it was time. And that that franchise has been kind of stuck in neutral, to put it nicely. So really getting a top pick for them and and being able to utilize that top pick right away would be major for them. And then you have Dallas, which is an interesting team. I think that they are my pick to to come, you know, out of the bottom next season more rapidly than any of the others. I yeah. mean, they were the last they were the last out also, so that of course helps that. And they have been though, but that franchise has been and and for them to just miss out again after losing Liz Cambage is really interesting. So all in all, I think honestly, uh, if we're if we're going on the assumption that UNESCO comes out, I mean, I've already tweeted this. So spoiler: I don't like UNESCO to the Liberty. I've got a lot of reasons why that could be a whole hot take itself. I agree. Um, I actually kind of think. I would like her in Atlanta among all those four teams and maybe even Indiana, but we'll have to wait and see what happens. We will. And I just want to remind you of, you never know what's going to happen in the draft lottery. And uh, as I was just recently talking to coach Tebow about the 2013 WNBA draft lottery is the best example of this. When the Washington Mystics had a 40, 44.2% chance at getting the first pick, a 31.6% chance at getting the second pick, and only a 6.2% chance at getting the fourth pick, it was the draft of the three to see 
And guess what pick the Washington Mystics got? The fourth. <laughs> so literally any odds uh, are odds. You know, we, we have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow night. Uh, Tebow was laughing. I said, he said, I wasn't the, the head coach and general manager. They hadn't hired me. And I remember watching that draft lottery and thinking, oh, that poor soul. <laughs> and then he goes, and then I was that poor soul. <laughs> had to deal with that. So, uh, you know. We've come, we've come a long way. Um, but yeah. All right. I'm so happy for those of you who have not been privy to our text chains. We have been trying to schedule this for <laughs> about six weeks now. So long. <laughs> since All-Star, probably since before All-Star. So <laughs> I am so grateful for Ari and Erica uh, for joining me. Uh, love you both. And I, I you know what? I'm just going to tempt fate. We're going to do it again before the finals. We're just going to find a way. because this is all right. We definitely are. Thank you all for listening. I'll join. All right. Bye. 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 And I saw you up and I spit you out.